0: Hello and welcome to Rearview, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew and on this episode I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Matthew Channon, who is a lecturer in law, speaker and co-author of The Law and Driverless Cars.
1: Welcome to Rearview, Matthew. I'd like to start off by asking, why write such a book? Thank you. So yeah, um, I I thought I'd write a book on uh, The Law and Driverless Cars because it is something that really fascinates me. It's also something that's not really being done very much. Um, There's very few people really looking at it, particularly in the academic world, at um, the legal challenges that are going to be faced by autonomous vehicles. So I decided a couple of years ago that it'd be really good to bring together academics and a practitioner to look at both the practical and theoretical issues that are going to be faced by uh, autonomous vehicles. And there are a lot, so it's a it's a really wide ranging book that's going to be coming out. Um, that's going to address a lot of the major legal challenges that are going to be faced by uh, autonomous vehicles.
0: Excellent, right? Well, we will explore autonomous vehicles uh, and some some. I'm sure a lot of the aspects of this book uh, further down the line. But I, I'd like to kick off by asking, so when when did you get interested in law? Was that during school or? Was it uh, towards the end when you were thinking about university? How how come law?
1: I think it was. Um, I suppose when I was I was coming towards my uh, towards the end of my uh, schooling, and I I was trying to think of something that I could really make a difference with, and I came to oh, the state that's very school. noble of
0: you. Oh dear, that's you can go off people. I'm so selfish personally that I don't like to hear that.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I mean, I went I went to a um, a state school, which was basically a school which. Um, you know, I was, it wasn't a private school, and I wasn't really sure I'd ever make make it in the law, to be honest. So I, when I when I was at school, I wasn't really sure. Then I went to college, and, and again, I was I was kind of stuttering about what I wanted to do. And then I decided just to give it a go, and I applied to the, to a university, got in, did did quite well. Um, then I decided later on, well, actually, instead of practicing it, I want to maybe look at reform and how the law works and how. You know, we can we can really reform the law. So that's mm-hmm. why I went into academia rather than practice, and that's why I'm currently a lecturer.
0: When did the interest in uh, vehicles and because uh, it's insurance as well that you're uh, is a is of a particular interest or area of uh, expertise, yeah. isn't it? So how come you you got involved in that?
1: So I actually started off with insurance rather than cars. Um, So I started off looking at um, the way insurance law works. That's why I did a master's dissertation on insurance issues. Um, And then I went to do a PhD and I wanted to find a topic which A was interesting and B um, was something that no no one else was really doing or very few were doing anyway. And I decided, well, why not do something on insurance of cars? Because I like cars, and I like insurance. so I combine my two big interests. Um, no one else is doing it. So, it, well, very few people are doing it um, in terms of insurance of cars, particularly in academia. There's, there's very few of us. And yeah, it, 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 was kind of, it was kind of, in a way, it was my passion of both cars and insurance, put them together, do something that's really interesting. And then after that, I then thought, well, how can I make this even more unique? And I thought, well, let's go and do something that was about my free passion, which is technology, cars and insurance. So it all kind of combines (laughs) all of my passions into one.
0: Nice Holy Trinity. What were you exploring about insurance then? Because, you know, obviously uh, most of the listeners here will be people who are on the consumer end of it, i.e., oh dear, we've got to fork out more again and all that sort of stuff. So what what were the particular aspects you were looking at? So
1: I was looking at the contractual um, ways in which um, an insurer could, if they wanted to exclude a road traffic victim from their policy, so whereby... I'm sure you've seen it in your car insurance policy where they say things like you are insured only for social, domestic and pleasure purposes or you are mm-hmm. insured for business use only. And my question...
0: Yeah, it's like the people who do a track day yeah. uh, bin the car and then drag it to a ditch outside the track and go, oh, you'll never guess what happened here.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> this, 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 gets, this goes even further though because this isn't about the person who's driving the car. It's the person who's outside the vehicle. So just say um i 'm driving oh. along, and uh 'll say someone else is driving along, and they suddenly hit someone that person then makes a claim to the insurer, and the insurer says, Well, hang on a second you 're outside of the, the the person was driving outside of their policy so we will, we will not pay you damages oh, so that so good. it gets into the whole should a victim be affected by a contractual insu- uh, a contractual clause now the answer is um, well, the answer is that legally it's un- very, very, very unlikely that that will happen because we've got a bureau, the Motor Insurers Bureau, that will compensate if the insurer uses an exclusion clause. But there's also challenges as to whether that will be comprehensive or not. So there, there is a lot of uh, so that 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 was my PhD thesis, which was basically looking at the validity of these clauses and can theoretically a victim of an accident actually not get compensated because an insurer used a clause against them, which would obviously be absolutely ridiculous because why should I care if I get hit by a car? Why should I care that the person's driving out of their policy or not? It doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. So did you you find that these clauses were actually illegal or are they valid and stand up in... Uh, in the in, during the legal process, so this
1: is where it gets really interesting because, well, for me it gets interesting. I don't know if if everyone else it does. <laughs> the under UK law, yes, they can. Under European Union law, no, they can't. So currently, we've got Europe basically insurance um, of cars is harmonised across the EU. So all of the European member states have, if you if you take out a car insurance policy, it should cover you for every member state of the EU, and they've harmonised okay. it so that no exclusions can be used, apart from one right. about stolen vehicles. Whereas in, under UK law, they can be, and there's a lot of challenges here about um, you know which one's right, which one's wrong. And the UK's recently had a lot of case law come out on this and basically yeah so we're that was the fascinating part is that EU and UK law are very different in this regard in fact very very different indeed so it's going to be interesting what happens after Brexit
0: oh god let's add this to the list of things to worry about
1: <laughs> that's it
0: <laughs> okay well no I, I didn't realize that that was um this is fantastic I'm educated already and we're only a few minutes in this is brilliant can't wait for the rest <laughs> okay so um so on the back of all this you you get your phd is this correct yeah yeah okay so that's why. it's you are now doctor Doctor, was it after the phd that you then looked at uh well actually hang on insurance driverless vehicles and cars was it or was it during this that you started thinking yeah. But our driverless cars
1: covered? Yeah. Well this is where it gets even so basically, yes. Um it was during my during the middle of my PhD I, I started thinking, well, how can I add a dimension to this? And then I thought, well let let's let's think about let's think a little bit about autonomous vehicles. I was really interested in this anyway. And then halfway through my PhD I thought, well I'm I'm gonna do my PhD just on motor insurance and then then I'm gonna do some research just to see what else there is out there in terms of driverless cars. And then I I started, I I suppose the big one for me was actually Twitter. Um, I know Twitter's quite a big thing. And I thought, well, let's have a look and see what other people's thoughts are on Twitter on driverless cars. And then I made contact with a few people and thought, well, actually, this is a really viable topic to do some research in. Back then, no one was doing it in academia.
0: When when was this?
1: Sorry, year-wise, roughly. Three or four years ago, I think it was. Okay, Um, yeah
0: so yeah yeah so this is this is really just before or just at the beginning of mass media yeah. beginning to get involved um, uh yeah I'm, I'm trying not to use hysterical um I'm, I'm trying not to use that word uh but getting um caught up and the the hype is beginning yeah. really on autonomous vehicles yeah. okay so right i've got I've got a I've got a picture now I've got a timeline this is good so you're you're um so it's three or four years ago you come to twitter and
1: find out oh yes people are talking about yeah. this and then i thought well let's do let's have a think about what um what the insurance challenges are and then i got kind of i i mean obviously insurance was one of the big things and i thought actually there's more than this there's more legal challenges than this so then i branched out into cybersecurity liability criminal um, into all the or intellectual property all of these different aspects which i thought actually hang on a minute there's a there's a lot of legal challenges um and it's something that I suppose has been noticed recently by a lot of academics. Is well, hang on a second. I'm doing a, I'm, not know, there's people that are doing research into, I don't know, intellectual property, criminal law. which is actually going to affect us mm-hmm. as well. So it's something that um, is beginning, I think, to really materialise. That academics are starting to think, well, hang on a second. Driverless cars or autonomous vehicles are are hitting several areas of law. In fact, some, well, you know, it's 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 essentially
0: a. a... Uh, a technology mm. like for example a computer or uh, a tv yeah. it just happens to be on four wheels mm. transporting people yeah. about exactly so it's it's got all those problems mm. and <laughs> that it's going to be on the road and interacting with humans and people behind a wheel that has no autonomous or uh, or uh, driver assistance and things like that so oh wow i mean it's such a melting pot of mm. i mean
1: talk about doing the easy yeah thing. exactly exactly <laughs> that's the problem i mean it's there's, there's always a phrase that i like to use and it's it's the the phrase of there's no known knowns known unknowns unknown knowns <laughs> and unknown unknowns and for me i think we we know <laughs> the, the biggest challenge legally for driverless cars is the unknown unknowns. it's the the things that we don't know that we don't actually know yet so that's what that's something that I always like to I, I try and think about. What is it that we don't know that we don't actually know? Because that's that's the biggest challenge. Is if the the legal challenges that we know are the ones we can fix. So we know there's an insurance challenge. We will write an insurance system that will fit that insurance challenge.
0: Just just on that point, this is something I want. I I did I did really want to ask you about. Yeah. Now this sounds odd that um, to to a layperson it sounds it sounds odd. That there is this actual insurance issue, yeah. because to a layperson or someone stupid, hello, I'm here all night. Um, it it sounds like if a vehicle, it, it, to me, it sounds simple because it should. It, and this is where you're going to help educate me, I'm sure. If a vehicle is in an autonomous mode yeah. or under driver assistance, yeah. and it is used in the correct conditions for yeah. that, you know, mm. depending on levels mm. and etc. Yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera, and that has an accident yeah. that is shown to be the vehicle's fault yeah. and i know i'm putting in so many caveats already mm-hmm. and i'm probably not using enough here um but it shown to be the vehicle's fault that in my mind seems obvious to be the manufacturer's yeah. issue
1: yeah and um, yeah
0: however i know that there's always a i mean we've we've seen it recently with um vehicle accidents yeah. That are not even remotely fully autonomous. Yeah. There are so many ifs and buts, and hang on, we need mm-hmm. to check that has to go on, which means these investigations are incredibly mm-hmm. lengthy because they have yeah. to be, because there's so much information that needs to be in, it needs to be pored over and looked at. I mean, it. it I've watched. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the the, the program. Um, it's uh, I think it's Why Planes Crash or something like that, and it talks about airline accidents.
1: I think I've heard of it.
0: And the detail, and it's it's dramatized, but you get a glimpse of the detail and the level of inspection that goes on when an airline comes down. Thankfully, they do this because then they usually get to a conclusion. It means it doesn't happen Mm. again. But they are pouring over so much, and it and that obviously has to take a long time, even if you've got a big team. And we're we're on the verge, I think, with the complications Mm. and in the technology. Mm and all the variables that happen out on the yeah. road that were on the verge of needing that sort of level of investigation and accidents. Yeah. Now, I mean, I know it's quite in-depth with the human yeah. driver, but now people are going to have to pour over data mm. from computers mm. and double-check yeah. that and then go, you know, maybe find there's a flaw in a code yeah. or a, a bit of technology just didn't work in those conditions mm. it was expected to work. You know, all this sort of ifs and buts. But it just seems to me that, you know, and sorry, getting back to my original point was, is that um, actually a realistic view that if the vehicle is working in the conditions it was set out Mm. to do, and it, causes the, it is the cause of the accident, shown to be the cause of the accident, that the manufacturer should be held accountable yeah, for that. Yeah, but the
1: problem is it's, it's not going to be like that, I don't think, because I, there's so okay. many variables on there. So there's so many right. um, ifs, buts, and maybes. It's, was the person, um, if it was like a Level 3 or Level 4 vehicle, i.e. one which required, I suppose a Level 3 is probably the better one to use, where there's a, there's a person actually sat there, supposed to be monitoring are they monitoring no, 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 yes. or, are they, or have they just sat there on their phone or have they just fallen asleep um or did yes. they were they told to i think to we them? can guess the answer to that one <laughs> that's the, <laughs> we get to an accident? That's, that's the problem i mean it's i mean to be honest when you get to when you get to past when you get to level five and the vehicles are safe then <laughs> Is going to be pretty easy, insurance. Insurance is going to be very easy. Once we know they're safe, we know they're, and, you know, or if they're at the stage whereby the person doesn't need any intervention, it's the vehicle that's obviously going to be at fault sorted. Insurance is easy with that. You just say, right, OK, the, the, the vehicle's at fault, done, sorted. But does that,
0: I mean, that really leads credence to the argument that unless it's level five, no vehicle should at all be called autonomous. True, true. Yeah. Even if it's in certain conditions, it shouldn't be called autonomous because... At some point a human has to take exactly.
1: over. Exactly. And that's why there's always, there's always a I mean, I suppose the bigger one is actually when the people call them driverless. Driverless cars, mm. i.e., because a driverless car connotes the term that there's um there's not going to be a person in charge of the vehicle. Um I note that the word driverless is actually in my book title. So that sound might sound a little bit well, you know, but actually it's it's a, the the I suppose you, you I mean the thing is if you call them by different names so you say one's automated one's autonomous one's this one's that one semi it gets a bit difficult for people to kind of get it you know what's it is now isn't it
0: yeah. you you talk to the person on the street yeah. and they will cl- they will believe some vehicles are, are already yeah. able to drive themselves and they're not <laughs> uh, and there's so much confusion over the language used and Part of that is because of the way it's been reported. Well, a lot of that's that's uh, been yeah. re- reported. Part of that is in the way that the people developing the technology have mm. uh, publicized this. Mm. Uh, and again, I'm trying to be really careful and kind to these companies. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes there is... It looks as though marketing has got hold of the press release rather than engineering. Yeah. And therefore claims are perhaps bigger and more headline grabbing yeah. than maybe more cautious engineers or the legal side uh,
1: of the company would yeah. want. I mean that that I mean it's 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 an interesting point. I I suppose we've got to be relatively careful but I, these there's always going to be a public perception issue of these vehicles anyway. I mean there's no doubt about that because of the mm. fact that i suppose people want you know that when they, when they hear an autonomous vehicle they think well actually i want to sit in that car i want to go on my phone i want to have a sleep um because that's why we've got them what is the point of having a vehicle which i have to look at but not drive you know you, you don't yeah. get into a vehicle to look at it you don't i mean you don't go, you don't get into a vehicle just to sit there and let it drive itself you want to either be a passenger sat on the side reading your book or you want to be driving the thing you don't want to be doing
0: well, you, do, you don't get in a taxi now and sit there itching to grab hold of the steering Well, you shouldn't. No, exactly. uh, maybe the driver makes you do that. But, you know, the idea is you don't get in that and you're not sitting there watching the driver going, oh, well, hang on. Uh. No, you, you, you're you on your phone, you're chatting, You re- as you say, you're reading a book, something else. You are doing something else whilst being taken yeah, somewhere.
1: You don't want to be in the middle. You don't want to be the one that sits there, looks at the car going not having any control over it. And I think that's the scariest thing for people genuinely is, is to be sat in a vehicle, you know, as a, as a driver, I suppose, but not being able to do anything about it, unless mm. you obviously opt to take back over again. So having that middle ground is something that I think is the biggest, cha- one of the biggest challenges. And it's the public perception issue. That is the big challenge. It's the, um, you know, what can you do in these vehicles? The answer is really, you're going to have to sit there and watch it. You're going to have to sit there and watch it drive. Well, who wants to do that? Not many people will want to do that. And I suppose the big challenges as well is that if you're sat there and you're going, I don't know, you've got a three hour motorway ride. I mean, sitting when you're doing something, you're active, your brain is, is working. When you're sat there looking at a road, the ch- I mean, having that concentration whilst not doing anything for these hours means, you know, how many people are actually going to be staying awake at that time? Not many.
0: Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. and there's been plenty of study in simulation where people have just gone, right, I'm just going to go to sleep, but hang on, and and this is for vehicles where, uh, the the Level 3 vehicle, where people get prompted to take back control Mm. because the the vehicle understands that it cannot cope with an upcoming situation, and and there isn't even consistency among the manufacturers and technology people of what that handover time should be. Yes, there's... And that's not good, no. <laughs> no, either because we there's plenty of studies to show moving from one cognitive task to another takes an awful long time. Yes. It, it you know we're to, it, it's varying between
1: uh, tens
0: of seconds mm. to minutes. Yeah. So in a moving vehicle, that's an awful long time, as we all appreciate. Yeah,
1: and I think the big so,
0: yeah.
1: I was just going to say I think the big one is sleeping. Because, I mean, if I woke up, I mean, if you think about it, whenever you wake up in the morning, I mean, with me, especially if I wake up in the morning, the first thing I'm not going to be thinking of is, oh, I've got to grab the steering wheel oh, I've got, to, I've got to take control of this vehicle. That's not what you do. You sit there. You. you
0: I'm fully aware of everything that's going on around
1: yeah, me. <laughs> I mean, suddenly wake up and suddenly I can see, you know, there's a road I can drive. You know, you, that's not what you do. You What you do no. is you wake up in the morning and you look around, you stir for a little bit, maybe you sit and you just, you take a bit of time to get accustomed to the fact that, you know, you're you've just been asleep for this amount of time. And, that's quite for for some people that you know, and for i think for anyone actually waking up and suddenly having to take control of a vehicle is not something that you you know i think that's very dangerous indeed um and also the-
0: oh i tell you what if if we i tell you what you and i need to do now we need to um finish finish this episode but then we need to uh, quickly rush away and see if we can come up with a company that makes in car coffee oh, oh. making because <laughs> that sounds like that's going to be a big industry that is a
1: that shall we say is a potential um liability risk there if i may oh, no. say i think there's enough liability <laughs> another great there. idea of mine just shot down in flames <laughs> i can imagine that's the, that's the best thing though about law um genuinely the best thing about law well, that's one of the interesting things about law is that often you'll get people say to you this is a great idea this is a great idea and normally it will be, be, be people who are Um, I don't know, doing something about technology or doing something about whatever else, some invention they've had or something. There's always the lawyers that go, well, hang on a minute. Let's look at the legal side first. And then you think, Mm. look at the amount of liability disputes you've got. Look at the amount of insurance challenges you've got. And then suddenly people go, actually, maybe it's not a good idea. And that happens a lot. And that
0: actually just there, you've just explained to me why the um, uh, autonomous and electric uh, vehicle yep. bill is focusing on for the autonomous mm. part a lot on insurance, yes, because the, yeah. because again, that was a question that was going to be a question of mine is how come we're worrying about insurance mm. rather than the tech? And because, again, as a layman and somebody who's looking at it from mm. a, a definitely from one myopic point <laughs> of view here, um, I wasn't able to appreciate mm. why. It's so important mm. that we get a basis of framework at least yeah. sorted out. Not not the infinite detail, but the basis of a framework so that everybody understands moving forward. Yeah. Where where the pre- where, not the precedents yet because we haven't got that far, thankfully. Um, but where the uh, where the legal side of things and the insurance are going to be coming at
1: any yeah. issue yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's the brilliance about the automated electric vehicles bill is that it is a framework. It's not supposed to be an ending solution. Um, it's not going to be something that is, you know, perfect. It it's a it's a framework. It's a it's a it's a very wide framework. For me personally, and yeah. think I've been writing about this a little bit. I think it's it's. <laughs> The problem is with it, I think, is that it's probably a little bit too broad in terms of it doesn't define some of the key terms. It doesn't define what yes. the, what an accident is. It doesn't define um, properly. I don't think what a vehicle is. It doesn't define where it's going to be, where it has to be insured. It, it's got a lot and of. Does it
0: define autonomous either? It
1: doesn't. Well, it, it just says a vehicle that's capable of driving itself. Um, and yeah. this is the biggest challenge with the bill. What well, two. There's there's a couple of big challenges with it. Firstly is the term driving itself, because it says um, basically a a vehicle that is driving itself must be covered by insurance um, and the insurer will pay. What does driving itself mean? Does that mean where someone is handing the vehicle, handing back control of the vehicle or taking control of the vehicle? Because when it's in transition, I don't think you're just going to be going from here, here you go vehicle, you drive, there'll be a there'll be a phase, it'll be a phase transition. Well, what happens there? It's not been defined. so that, that's one of the challenges. Um, now, the bill is, is fascinating for, for me at the moment for one major reason. And that is that it is actually I haven't seen anything like this in, te- in legislation terms. I, there may be stuff out there and I'm looking for it, which is I don't think I've ever seen a piece of legislation that is actually predicting technology or pre- is actually preempting the challenges. What normally happens with law is that there's a challenge and the law then meets that challenge. So, I don't know, it finds something that's wrong in, or it finds something that, that, they, that needs a legal solution and then the solution has been given. Whereas here, we're saying, well, actually, we don't know exactly what the challenges are going to be, but here's a solution to them anyway. So, we don't mm. actually definitely know yet exactly what the insurance challenges are going to be. We know, I suppose, some of the broad ones, which is the who, who pays, et cetera, but we don't know the unknown unknowns And therefore, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. So it's a piece of legislation that is actually predicting what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, well, we we can't know the unknown unknowns because no one has yet made a fully autonomous vehicle that that has the potential to drive on the public road. Exactly. We don't know if the software and technology that we currently have is capable yeah. of that and there's plenty of argument to suggest that we will never know if the software is actually capable of that because of the manner in which the software is created and what's what it's mm-hmm. doing which uh, i mean that's one of the most worrying things about all this for me and anyone who's followed me on twitter or listened to the Motion podcast news show will have heard mm many times, sorry everyone, um, but I think it's really important, um, but is that people saying, ah, AI, that'll fix it, but AI does not follow the principles of safety-critical software. Mm. And by its nature, it can't. No. So the safety-critical software that's in uh, uh, an autopilot of, a software of an aeroplane mm. is written completely different to a car or a vehicle they're they're nowhere near close and if we are to follow which I feel we should Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, follow the safety critical software principles it's going to take us so long to produce a vehicle that could cope with that and it worries me that this isn't being discussed more I know this isn't actually what we're Mm. Trying to talk about here, but that that has to be. I mean, how how does that fit with the law?
1: <sighs> I,
0: and if you could answer that, please. You know, the whole no no pressure. But you've just got the you know got to answer on behalf of the UK law. Oh. There <laughs> on oh, no, a question I've just popped on you there with no warning. thanks. Um, <laughs> I suppose the answer is I
1: don't know. I'm at the unknown unknown. But stage. but no, but but sorry.
0: I I'm, I'm being a bit flippant there. But seriously if it is a vehicle software mm. that moves it around considered safety critical or not i think that's a, the first point and i'm i'm not expecting you to answer this because you know i i have just thrown <laughs> that at you we we need to answer that i think and if yeah if legislation states actually we don't need safety critical software for a car to be driven autonomously or, or driverless mm on our roads than ai can have at it
1: and yeah. well good luck everyone. Yeah. i'm not going near them <laughs> so I'm, I'm just i'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm intrigued by your use of the word safety critical i'm literally just getting up on my laptop the automated and electric vehicles bill because it mentions safety critical software oh
0: it does does yeah. it i, I don't remember so because I, I did pour over it but then i i mm. in a Typically, uh, as though I was live reading it on Twitter, and you know, I put it down in a oh, well, uh, it, that's it, not good enough type way. Takes,
1: <laughs> the problem of legislation is that it takes a, a, quite a long time to kind of get to grips with. Um, hmm. It can take, it can take, um, uh, you know,
0: it's not for a light read. No, it, 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 you've got to, you've got to
1: be really in the mindset <laughs> for it. And um, so, yeah, Article, uh, sorry, Section Four um, says, hmm. um, and I'll, I'll go over the the, the kind of the, I suppose complicated bits, but it basically says that an insurance policy in respect of an automated vehicle may exclude the insurer's liability for damage suffered by an insured person occurring as a result of a failure to install safety-critical software updates that the insured knows or ought to reasonably know are safety-critical. So basically what it's saying is saying that insurers are able to exclude or limit the insurer's liability so they can exclude their their, their liability in contract if the person that is in the vehicle knows or ought to reasonably know that they are the they or they have failed to install safety critical software that they know are safety critical. Now this is where it gets in- Yeah,
0: I remember reading that yeah. actually. I do remember reading that bit. It get- so uh, are, is that because it's great to to actually ask you about mm. this because my understanding of that would be if I happen to be in the highlands of Scotland and I've got no connection yeah. for over the air mm. software I can't receive mm. emails. I don't know that this needs to be updated. Yep. That's not reasonable for me to understand that. Oh no, To know. I that. don't think it will be. However, if I'm in my normal yep. home, where I have Wi-Fi connection, or my place of work that has Wi-Fi connection, yep. uh, and I am clearly reading emails or messages, however mm. they are sent to the car or to me, mm. and I don't install, I don't press please update, yep. then yes, I am completely at fault. Yep. At that point, well, because yeah. I have been informed of the issue, mm. I know that there's a problem, yeah. and I have actively not taken steps to address that. Yeah.
1: So this is where it gets a bit um. Loyally, in that you would then have to get the courts to actually say to interpret the word knows or ought reasonably to know. That's the first two things they need to say. They'd have to interpret okay. the word failure. How does that? Is that a positive failure or is it a negative? Is it, is it an omission or is it you know how does that work? install what does that mean what is a software update what does the (laughs) insured person mean and the big one is what is safety critical now the none of this is defined apart from safety critical which and this is this is this is just a brilliant i think i mean it says software updates are safety critical if it would be unsafe to use the the vehicle in question without the updates being installed so it's (laughs) Doesn't really give you that much, if I may say. It's saying that something that's safety critical is something that is unsafe to use the vehicle without it being installed.
0: Yeah, because when I read that, again, I read that as, and you know, this is just the layman talking here. I read that as something on the vehicle that is needed to make it operate safely. Not that uh safety critical software as in the principles yeah. behind that particular way to create software yeah
1: but if i may also say just to go just to slightly just revert back to the bill i don't even know what, what what does unsafe mean i mean legally wise unsafe i mean the court's gonna to have to go through that again And
0: how do you know it's unsafe
1: no idea pro-
0: realistically we're only going to know it's unsafe if there's been an issue yeah
1: and the courts will have to determine that. So the courts will have to go through this, and this is the problem with this bill.
0: Um, so setting precedents. Yeah. That sort of so thing. they will
1: have to. And okay. just, just to, I just want to give you a bit of um, insight into this because this is, this is what's fascinating. So um, in 1930, they introduced the road, uh, well, they introduced the Road Traffic Act on motor insurance. They introduced motor insurance compulsory, uh, compulsory motor insurance in the UK in 1930. They are still interpreting that now. In ninety what was it what eight what nearly a hundred years they only a couple of years ago they interpreted the word use of a vehicle because they weren't sure whether that so some someone um got hit by a car after putting a sign on the side of their burger van, and they walked across the road and they got hit by a car, and the courts had to determine whether that meant use of a vehicle or not, so we are still interpreting motor insurance legislation nearly a hundred years on. Because the problem is, with all with anything, you're going to find scenarios fitting every single everything. You're gonna people are going yeah, to use these yeah. vehicles in ways that you wouldn't even imagine they can be used. They're going to be using. Yeah,
0: well, I think we're all we can go on YouTube and see that. Yeah, but, but you, could, you, could, you could, it's the same with anything. You... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, it's the unknown, unknowns, isn't it? And the major thing in that is the human being is the squishy, yeah. the squishy organism.
1: Yeah. That gets involved yeah, in it, but it's also the human being that's using it, and that—that's the problem. It's the yeah. human being that is, you know, humans are by their nature. We are—we are unpredictable. We do things that people do things that legislation wouldn't have predicted, and also time moves on, and that—that's the big issue. Yeah,
0: because because legislation is written from uh, people trying to put down what looks like an in inverted commas common sense.
1: Yeah, but in a
0: but you that know. is but that is. One person's or a small group of people's Mm. perception of this instance's common sense, Mm. exactly, which could be, they could be the you know half a dozen people in the country that think that way, whereas everyone else thinks completely opposite or something like that. Exactly, and that's what we're up against.
1: But I mean, I mean, I suppose the thing is, it's I mean, the bill goes through Parliament, so it's gone through the House of Commons, it's going through the House of Lords. So lots of people have had a look at this. Um, This was this was made last year. It's It looks for me, it looks fine. I I I think obviously I prefer it to be. I'd prefer it to have more definitions in there because what what I find difficult with this is that this bill is trying to give clarity, but it actually is giving clarity, but it's also taking away clarity because it's it hasn't defined much. So what you're doing is you're Mm. giving the clarity and then taking that clarity away. It's it's something that to me is not. It's it's something that. I don't know what it's going to be. It could be it could be brilliant. It could work fantastically, but it could not. It 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 could be a disaster. We just we just don't know. We have we haven't, you know, it hasn't worked yet because we haven't actually seen any accidents from a level 4 level 5 vehicle. And um yeah. it's that's how legislation's going to go, I think. We we're, we're going to have legislation coming along in all types of areas and then we'll we'll have to wait and see if it's right or not. And it'll probably be kind well, of Well,
0: yeah, I mean just just going back there where you're saying level 4 level 5. It, I saw some people interpreting level three and level two covered by this mm. because it's vague. Yeah. Driverless yeah. drives itself. Yeah. And that's and so it, I, there are certain aspects of this. I mean, I I looked at it and I thought it was very vague. Yeah. But I I'm again I'm just a legal person who's got quite an interest in this. Which is why I really enjoy talking to people like you, who have a really great knowledge about this, and it helps educate me, and it's this is educating the listeners on on this. But it just looked quite vague to me, Ooh. and because they've mashed it in with the electric vehicles yeah, as well, yeah. there was a big portion on electric vehicles, <laughs> <laughs> which, which most of that just seemed like, well, uh, yeah, why why isn't that anyway? <laughs> Sort of on the electric vehicle side of things. But anyway, so uh, so I th- I thought it was quite vague. And some people who... And I'm not just talking just random punters either. These are, these are people involved in sort of the legal sort yeah. of things saying, well, level two and level three is covered by this. And I'm sitting there going, I hope not
1: because... <laughs>
0: they're not anything close enough mm. to the to where we should be looking at this yeah
1: they haven't they haven't put any levels in the bill which is i suppose thank god yeah.
0: because everyone agrees they they were someone had to write something to start off yeah with. exactly and that's what sae did yeah. and you know bless them for doing that because it's given us a starting yeah. point but pretty much everybody who knows about this stuff now says well actually they're not correct they're confusing and can be misinterpreted.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that. I agree it's the, they're not the best, but agree. they are helpful in some way to kind of, to, to I agree they're not correct, but they're helpful to, to kind of just explain. If you want to explain to people, like I, do, I teach this a lot. I, I, do, I do my best to try and, um, you know, speak to, you know, te- try and show people how, how driverless cars work. And it is quite helpful to show them, well, this is what the difference is, the kind of stages that could and what they could look like, but obviously they're going to be matched. Together. Oh, yeah, yeah, no,
0: it is. I'm I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not, I really am not decrying it because mm. we we, we
1: did need something. Yeah. You need you need to start Because,
0: somewhere. you know, people are just saying, oh, well, this one's not quite driverless yeah. and this one's sort of yeah, autonomous. Yeah, exactly. It's what we were saying before. There's so many different words being deployed yeah. in connection mm. with this people are sitting there going well it, oh, oh they all drive themselves it's fine <laughs> you know, cause I, i'm going to the path of least resistance here because it's all too confusing <laughs> yeah. and, and that's that's what we're trying to avoid yeah um, but it is it is useful if you are if you have the opportunity to explain to someone you know, these are the sort of things we're talking about. When we talk about level
1: one, this is it. Yeah, and when we talk exactly. about level five, this yeah, is it. Exactly. But yeah, I agree. I mean, the the, the bill, uh, I'm just, I'm reading the bill again now. And it basically, it just basically says that, yeah, those that are capable of driving themselves. So, well, it says it actually are in the, so this is the, the couple of things. It's are in the Secretary of State's opinion. So it's an opinion by the Secretary of State. So the, the the secretary of state would say if it's an automated vehicle or not. Again, opinion. When you say opinion, you don't. It means a viewpoint. It's here so that the secretary of state's opinion could be different to my opinion or your opinion. And then mm-hmm. it's designed or adapted to be capable, which means that you're right. It's not necessarily going to be level four and level five vehicles. It could be in certain in at least certain some circumstances in at least some circumstances or situations safely driving themselves so what it what you're looking at really if you if we go back to the i don't i hate using the, the levels but it, it basically is a level it could be a level three vehicle which has got which can drive safely on a motorway or it, that's what it's likely to be, because it's likely to be a vehicle which can drive on a motorway very well, but it cannot drive in country roads. So it would be like a level two yeah. vehicle on country roads, and a level four vehicle on the motorway. So it's something that is capable in at least some situations or circumstances. Again, doesn't doesn't help with what a circumstance or a situation is. Does it? Does a circumstance or a situation mean a motorway? What does it mean? Then you could argue hmm. then well. Then that are some can some vehicles safely drive themselves now on their own? So, for example, I believe there's cars that can park themselves. So that is a car driving itself safe. So that does that cover? Does that covered by the bill then? A car that can park itself. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, my my. Uh, how old is it? Uh, Sixteen year old. Saab can pull away on its own if I put it in gear because it's an automatic is that driving <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's, it's getting down to those definitions yeah. Uh, and, and, and yeah uh, it's, it's such a minefield uh, and, and this is, this was brought in to such big fanfare and it, and I think for as much as I, I do knock uh, a lot of things that happen I, I think it was brilliant that, that this effort was made yeah that we tried to get hold of the the concepts and the ideas. Okay, I'm, I'm not agreeing with the execution mm-hmm. because I, I'm, i again, like I say, I'm looking at it from a very narrow perspective. Mm. So I would like a lot more detail in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but, but that's partly because I don't understand all these things, yeah. uh, you know, like how the system works. How a bill gets put through Parliament and all these things, uh, you know, and whether this is just the giant overall one, and then there's going to be very specific ones underneath that feed into this one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. which I'm presuming or hoping happens there because be. there, the, has, the, to there be. has to be some definition somewhere from for the various things even on the uh, electric side of things. Yeah. So it's brilliant that the government made the step, or Parliament made uh, these have made these efforts. But then it goes, as you say, many they they got advice or they got people into who were experts to speak to them, didn't yeah. they? And I don't remember. Did generally the experts say this is
1: this is a good start? However, yeah. that's that's pretty much that's pretty much the theme of it. I think. Um, so my understanding—I mean, I wrote something in. Um, I've—I've—I—I I've, did a joint consultation response for the committee of the House of Commons. Um, it was about—I think it was four of us that wrote in a response uh, on this, Um or four or five of us who, who actually wrote a response on this. And I think—I I think that's kind of what we went along with as well, is that it's a great start. The, 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 one thing that you've got to applaud is that actually they are they are being proactive. I mean, it's, it's a very proactive piece of legislation. They are doing something. They are making an effort to make things easier. Mm. For me, I, I sometimes wonder whether this is more of actually not just a piece of legislation, but it's also a statement. Actually, more I, I suppose as well, to say, well, look, um, the UK is open for business. The UK is is open for we we want vehicles on our roads. Here is a piece of insurance legislation, a piece of legislation which is quite open, which will allow you to bring your vehicle. So manufacturers come over to the UK and test and put your vehicles on our roads because you know. It's, it...
0: That's definitely how I I see it. Um, the the government have made no, they have not minced words about how Britain is to be a centre for autonomous vehicles, and some of the statements the politicians made and some of the. Things they've done are very silly in connection with that because they, you know, they've got in vehicles and gone, Oh, this is a driverless car, and you're you're sitting there going, It's not, (laughs) it really isn't. Stop doing it (laughs) because that, that, because you know, some people get uh, put autopilot on and sit in the passenger seat of their car on the M1 as a result, so stop doing that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it. I, I definitely saw it as that, that it's, a, here's a flag in the ground, you want to push forward um, and make make uh, your autonomous vehicle quickly, we will help you do that because Britain is going to be um, a fantastic centre for that. Yes. Uh,
1: definitely. But they've got to be very careful um, in under-regulation because what you don't want is is to have a situation whereby you don't regulate them enough. So what what the UK's done is they've said right.
0: And I think the governor of Arizona is right on
1: board with that right now. <laughs> and that's 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 an issue isn't it because the UK is that they've got a piece of legislation which is very open very you know great, mm-hmm. you know you can come and test your vehicles here, you can bring your vehicles on our roads. It's great. What you don't want them then is to is to be too open to these vehicles so that they undermine everything else. That's not what you want yeah. so far, they haven't done that, which is fantastic. I think the bill is great, as i say i mean i'm I'm an academic, so what what the difference between what I do and what practitioners do, i suppose and often often is that practitioners will often they're very critical of the law, of course they are, but often when I hear when I hear speak of practitioners practitioners they 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 say right. What what do we have to do? What what is what is what is the you know what is the law? Whereas academics are more what should the law be in the first place? So for me, I say, well, look, this this piece of legislation is great, but it's got this this and this wrong with it, and I don't I'd be picking on any even if it was a, um, the best piece of legislation ever, I'd still be picking on it somewhere because you have to you have to look hmm. at and see how they can improve it. Um, but, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's it's a statement. It's a clear statement that the UK is open for business, that the UK is going to allow these vehicles to be tested on the roads and to be used on the roads. Um, come and test your vehicles or bring your vehicles over to us, and we, we will, you know, as long as. And so the, the next thing is they've got to make sure they're safe. The UK's got to draft in bring in more regulations to make sure they're safe, make sure they're being used properly. I think one thing they've got to desperately do is they've got to really up the sanctions for people who are. Not being careful enough, so they need to start saying, right? If you are sat on, if you do not read firstly, you must read the instructions. You must read the instructions of this vehicle. Definitely, if you are caught doing something that is wrong, that is even slightly wrong, you're sat on the passenger seat or you do something, you you know whatever, then we will punish you. We will take away your license and we will do more than that. We will ensure that you know, and we'll put a massive fine on you because that's the only way people are going to learn. Because the thing is, like, if you have a vehicle, did you read? I mean, I suppose I don't know if you I don't know if you can answer this, but did you actually, when you bought your vehicle, did you read your instruction booklet?
0: Not straight away. I knew because mine's an old car. I knew enough for me to get home, mm. and then later I would. I got because I'm that sort of person. I got the manual out and was going, oh, oh, we can do that as well. Oh, that's what I need to do to make it do yeah. that. How many? Yeah. but i but i would i would I would counter here mm. to if I can. Uh, as there is several different ways that things are being done now with driver assistance, yeah. is will it, do you think, get to the point where the manufacturers have to show they've done everything they can to educate the new owner?
1: Yes. They will have to, they will have to, obvi- I mean, there's no doubt they will have
0: so to. So in a handover situation, it'll. It, I can foresee it being quite like uh, a health and safety, if you went to visit a building site, a health and safety um, mm. a briefing, yeah. where a lot of times you are shown a video right. and then you have to sign at the bottom of a piece of paper to say, yes, I've yeah. seen all that, I understand that mm. the, the variables for yeah. this site, because yeah. they've explained it all to yeah. me, thank you very much, can I go on site now? Yeah. I see it being something similar mm. with someone being given a car to say, right, here's, we've walked you through it all, whether it's mm. through a video or whether mm. one of the sales reps has physically mm. made them push buttons so they understand mm. things. Uh, and again, I'd, I'd like some consistency on whatever yeah. they do there. And then at the end of it, they have to sign something to say, yes, I did, I was instructed, and in what are the limitations? Mm and the capabilities of the systems on this vehicle. Yeah,
1: but then you get into the territory of, well, we have this already for normal cars in terms of the driving test and the theory test. Theoretically, I know what's going to happen, but do I... Like, for example, I mean, this is not me, but maybe others who do take their driving tests, they sit there with both their hands on the steering wheel at 10, I think it's 10 to 2 I think you're supposed to drive it. I think it's te- I think your hands are supposed to be 10, ten to 2 in terms of it. you've got to sit there, you've got to look up, sit up straight, keep an eye on the vehicle, go exactly the speed limit or just below and drive safely. How many people really do that? And it's one of those things whereby actually no matter what you do, no matter how much training you give people, are they A going to remember and B are they going to listen to it? So I don't know. I don't know um, exactly what happened with the A1 incident with the person sat in autopilot. But A was he informed, and B did he listen to the information anyway? Because again, you can. Sort
0: of... Well, one of the quotes that came out from it, he said, "Oh, I'm just unlucky that I got caught." Well, that
1: means that he obviously knew knew what he was doing.
0: He knew what he was doing because he pleaded. I mean, I know he pleaded guilty anyway. But he 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 he. There's quotes of things like, "Yes, it was a silly yeah. thing to do, but I'm just unlucky because I got caught." So he knew that he shouldn't yeah. have done it. So that, that's,
1: that is, there you go. So the, the, the problem is, it's not just, I suppose, misinformation, but it's also people who just don't listen and who will mm. go about, let's make a YouTube video, let's be as, as bad as we can be and let's see what we can do with these vehicles. Because, you know, I want to get a million hits on YouTube, a lot of money there. Yep. Why, don't I, why don't I do something with this autonomous vehicle that maybe I shouldn't do? And that's what people do. And they do this a lot. Mm. And they, they're going to be doing. So the problem is, that no matter how much you educate people, no matter how much you say to people, this is what you have to do, likelihood is a they may not read the instruction manual they may not listen to the information or b they will just they'll just do what they want to try and you know test out what what can the vehicle do you know what what can we do to this vehicle what can we i mean it's like it's like a video game people people will try and break the video game They'll, they'll 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 try and do something that the video game doesn't want them to do because they want to see what happens. So the only solution to it, from in my view, is not just to educate them, not just to put, through the, put people through tests, but is to punish, is to say, right, you have been given these warnings. You have not done it. You have done this so badly or you have purposely flouted the law. We're going to ban you from taking these vehicles and we're going to fine you a lot of money. And we're gonna make sure that you know if you do it again, you're never going to be driving these vehicles for a very long time, because that's the only way people can listen is by the money in their pockets and through
0: but then that would mean, would it not that all vehicle related punishments need to be
1: increased yes oh of course i do there there needs to be a lot more people using mobile phones instantly need to be banned in my view anybody who's oh
0: yeah when i'm dark overlord of the universe they're they're, they will never have a car again those sort of people Uh, absolutely no
1: (laughs) there there should be no texting no no they they should be banned they should be banned for a very long time same with people who don't i suppose wearing seatbelts is another one people who who um i mean go excessively over the speed limit people who genuinely are a danger on the roads who i suppose my big my big bugbear is the signaling problem i find that excruciating i mean i today on my road today on my journey today i had about nine instances and it's only a half an hour 40 minute drive nine instances of people not signaling at roundabouts and it is the most annoying thing possible because you're trying to drive on a road and you've you know you're trying you you you, there's there's this perfectly safe for you to go but someone is is not signaling and it just it's it, it delays everything, and it it's this is the, this is the problem and it's the problem with auto, autonomous vehicles that there's more buttons, there's more things for people to do, there's more things where they have to and it's it's human when they get to level five there'll be no problem because people can just sit in them and they'll be fine but it's those that are trying to test them out or just don't really care, that's going to be the problem. So for
0: this bill, mm. what other areas of or what other sort of feeder or child bills need to happen? To feed into this, do you think?
1: Well, there needs to be a bill on exactly. I don't know. There, there, there needs. There needs to be. A, there needs to be a few things. I mean, just be aware. This is not this bill here is not the only piece of legislation that will theoretically affect automated vehicles. There is other insurance legislation out there. So there's the Insurance Act, 2015. There is the Consumer Insurance Disclosure and Representations Act, 2012. You've got European Union legislation. For me, that's interesting. Well, that's going to well, basically. What the European Union law says is that actually automated vehicles currently fall under their their law as it currently is. In the EU, it's actually maybe a little bit easier to regulate, I'd imagine, because they cover basically when someone says to you, do you have insurance on your car? That's actually you don't. You do not have insurance on your car. You have insurance on yourself to drive your car. So that's one of the challenges with with the the whole bill and with everything else is that under UK law, you do not have car insurance. You have an individual who is insured to drive a vehicle. So I am insured to drive my Corsa. Other people will be insured to drive their cars. The cars themselves generally don't have the insurance. It's the individual who has the insurance to drive the vehicle. Whereas under EU law, it is the vehicle that is insured and not the driver. So, well, most most EU law. So, in France, um, I think France it's the vehicle, not the drive. I think a few other countries. So, actually, under EU law, it's easier to regulate than under the under UK law. Mm-hmm. So, what's going to happen post Brexit is going to be interesting because we're, we're not going to be harmonised. So, we may end up having two very different auto well autonomous vehicle regulations. That's going to make it difficult crossing borders. So, if you want to take your autonomous car across to Ireland, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> it's an unfortunate problem, is that? Um, because we, we, we won't be, well, we may not be harmonized, depending on what we do. we could end up having not been able to take our cars, well, we will be able to take our cars across, but you might have to produce a green card, which may take a bit of time. So yeah, let's just say it's very complex. So we've got lots of different areas of regulation. We're going to have more regulation probably coming in, not just insurance. Criminal law, I think, is the second biggest one. Can you find okay. a manufacturer for a speeding vehicle? Is the question. So if my if I'm sat as a passenger in my car, if I'm sat behind the wheel of a car and the car is speeding hmm. um, and I'm not driving it. So I'm sat behind the vehicle. I'm in, I'm in a level three, let's say. The vehicle's in control and it's going 75 in a 60. Right. Caught by a speed camera. Who gets fined?
0: Uh, yes. It wasn't me, Gov. It were my car. It
1: was my vehicle. Do we find the manufacturer for that? we say right? It's your your mm. responsibility. Manufacturers won't like that. Similarly, exactly. Similarly, if I'm if I'm in the car and I kill someone, again, was it me, Gov? It was the vehicle. Yeah. Do you do you prosecute the manufacturer? The only good thing in terms of criminal law is that you won't have drunk cars anymore. So you won't have that benefit. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose it is. And this is actually actually a challenge as well with people who are drunk, people who think, OK, this is a level three car. Can I drink and sit behind the wheel? The answer is no, not a chance. They will probably they will never allow you to drink and drive with a level three ever.
0: No, because at some point you are supposed to take back control, and therefore, you, and you won't be fit yeah. to do so. And it's you? one of my
1: big—it's one of the biggest questions I get. So I do a lot of talks.
0: I don't think you can with a level four. Probably not, because you have the potential. Unless you are only in that area that it's capable of driving at level. They four. probably won't be. They
1: won't. You won't be able to do that either. I don't think. I think they won't make. No, because you've got to get into yeah. that area yeah. exactly. <laughs> to start off and this is this is the thing is it's 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 the reason why they want to do with level four is how they work with cars at the moment even if you have got your keys on you um and you are drunk and you are sat in the back of the vehicle not just say just say i don't know you get drunk you are sat in the back of your vehicle you're not driving it if the police catch you with your keys on you they will breathalize you, and they will arrest you, and they will prosecute you for drink yeah, driving. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with level four cars. Is that they will they will prosecute you for 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 that? And it is the biggest question I get. By one of the biggest questions I get when I'm doing speech, I do a lot of speeches, not just to. I do a lot of speeches just to normal people, just to, just to, just to, just to see what their views are. And actually, I get the best questions, actually, from um, because people often ask me things that I never actually think about. What happens if you do this? What happens if
0: you do that? They know the unknown unknown. They do.
1: Genuinely, the best way for if if anyone who ever wants to get educated to speak to someone who, who hasn't done the research into this. Because actually, they come up with a real-life scenarios that you haven't thought about. So I often go around Absolutely. and I speak to people and say, what do you think about this? And they'll say, well, I don't like this because of this. And I go, well, actually, that's brilliant. I didn't think about that but this is the biggest question I get is, can I get in my car and drink? Oh, it, you know, it's brilliant. It can pick me up from the pub once I've had a few. And the answer is no, not a chance mm. because they will it was not, it's just not going to happen. You're never going to, you're not until you get to the stage when the vehicle cannot be taken over, you will not be able to get drunk in your car.
0: Yeah. Where, where, where there isn't a steering wheel or it's the, um, it's the, uh, Johnny cabs yeah. from that, um, Arnold yeah. film, <laughs> you know, until it's those, then that it, it, you are at some point possibly going to be in control of that vehicle. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And so that's why that's another big, big misnomer. I suppose the biggest one of the is is, is the perception on this. Is the perception of people on these vehicles. Is you know, can I get drunk? Can I use my mobile phone? Can I do whatever I want to do? And again, it's always going to be. Uh, and by, sorry, by the way, I
0: feel very proud to be British that most people's questions are can I have a beer?
1: Talk about us
0: getting our priorities right.
1: It, it, it is, though. I mean, <laughs> for someone who wants to go to the pub, what a great thing to be able to do later on in level five vehicles is be able to get in the car and let it take you home.
0: Well, I tell you what about the pub industry sitting there with fingers crossed, going, "Please hurry up, Me please, do. please be a reality and exactly. something that exactly. works." Exactly because
1: it's it's such a uh, you know it's something that actually will be will be it's one of the big benefits is, is that's what they'll be able to do. But the problem is at the moment is that they can't, and mm. people are, are going to have to just be aware that actually these vehicles aren't they they're, they're, they're going to be coming. They're going to be coming in the next twenty odd years, but. That don't be massively excited about them yet because they are not going to be perfect. They're not going to be everywhere, certainly not going to be everywhere. They're going to be probably London and the Milton Keynes kind of areas whereby the roads are easy to navigate. So the motorways and the easy roads, they're not going to be in the villages. Well, in, in the
0: uh, towns. There's, there's questions whether it will happen in London too much because Sadiq Khan's already expressed his... Uh, Concern over AVs being tested on London roads. Taxis, is
1: it because of people taxi?
0: But drives? I, but I, no, it wasn't because it was taxis. But it, I think it was more because he had nothing to do with it, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see whether they get agreements because because London seems the logical choice. Well, actually, Milton Keynes is the logical choice because they've got big straight roads. Yeah. I mean, as we were chatting before uh, before I pressed record, they've got. Nice straight roads, relatively low levels of traffic. People, it's quite a, you know, people are educated now because they are doing sort of shuttle testing and things like that off the road. People are sort of aware of what these things are and have an appreciation for them. So it's not going to, you know... I can imagine trying the first time an autonomous vehicle gets tested in London. Yeah. It's it, the yeah. fact that people just walk out in front of it to try and make it stop.
1: Oh, I know. It. The biggest problem is the people that are, that are drunk coming out of the out of the pub, or 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 kids going, "Right, let's see what I can do to it. Let's see if I can get it to stop. Will it hit me?" Well, just remember
0: what happened to David Blaine when he ch- not I think it's David, yeah David Blaine when he put himself in that yep. box, and all the things us wonderful Brits did to wind him up there was the drone carrying a hamburger there was the people hitting golf balls off the the nearest bridge to try and hit him you know we, everything that possibly could have been done to that poor chap was yeah. done because Britain just went nah, not having that, yeah. and that's it because we're a special,
1: we're a special country. Yeah, but, I, but I think it, it would happen, <laughs> and I mean, it would happen probably. I suppose, I suppose we I suppose it would happen in a lot of places as well with something that's, that's so mm. new. But I think the big problem,
0: with, but definitely, you, as you say, at chucking out time,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the big problem is London, and the other with London is is the is the jobs, it's the taxi drivers, mm. it's the people who are. Driving for a living. If you go into London, you you there's taxis everywhere. There's taxis every two minutes. Yeah. You know, you, you end you're going to end up having a lot of people not employed by the because of this if you have them in London because you won't need a taxi driver anymore. And that.
0: But but I think because they are going to take so long to be yeah. really out yeah. there,
1: then you will end up having. We mess. will because because
0: uh, I've I've heard this uh, being used with, particularly in America about the uh, trucking industry yeah. and the lorry drivers. Yeah. I think it is so far down the line that we will adapt because, you know, if we go back 50 years ago, most people were employed in manual labor of some shape or form. You know, it's the last 20 years, the the knowledge economy, as they call it, has exploded. So, you know, things we will adapt. It won't be easy for people. And I, you know, and it's not nice ever to be sitting there thinking, well, actually, I really like this job, and now I'm very fearful it's just going to disappear one day. What am I supposed to do? Exactly. That's not nice for anyone, and I'm not trying to play that down. But I think if we we can see that this is coming, if they can get the technology sorted and the software sorted, we can see mm-hmm. this is coming, so let's, as a society, and it's a big ask because it's <laughs> it's Britain and society, but let's start looking at what are options for people then. what What... If they weren't, if people weren't doing that, what does it free them up to be able to do? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than panic about it, let's look at it as a positive way. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, somebody isn't having to deal with a drunk on a Friday yeah. night. And then their night's ruined because they've got to go and get their car
1: cleaned. Yeah.
0: Let's give the opportunity, well, instead of having to do that, you can go and do something yeah. you may prefer to do
1: or may actually... Yeah. Be better for yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say the the the, the big advantage of the the one advantage of which is not played up enough, which is genuinely a brilliant advantage of these cars, and it's something that they, that people need need to be really emphasising is we know. I mean, it, it's obvious that they're going to be safer because there's no there is there is going to be a they are going to be safer. I mean, okay, we, we say about okay,
0: no, 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 sorry, I can't believe that. To... There's no proof yet. There's nothing to show us that they are going to be safe. In or, on paper, they should be.
1: Yeah, I
0: mean, right on paper, I mean, they should be safer. But there's no evidence yet. But, you know, I go back to the the software. Yeah, they do not follow the principles of safety critical software. There is no way to check that what they do and how they do it is inherently yeah, safe.
1: Yeah.
0: We are we are being asked to uh, we are being asked to believe mm. that this magic black box that is the computer will do it right. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and that's it. And this is the point: we're being asked to believe it. We're not being given proof that it can mm. to, or or people who can understand it being shown the proof. Yeah. We're all being asked to believe it, yeah. and I I'm very nervous when it comes to something like that being told ah the best we can do is believe yeah
1: i I agree but that what what i would say to that is that you you can't be a huge amount unsafer than what we have at the moment in terms of
0: i I totally understand that as well i you know i that is that is the thing that gets thrown back at me when i mention this is yeah, but we're not safe. Yeah, now. we're
1: not. We're, there's no doubt, uh, and we're no. not.
0: No, there are so many incidents where um, people are not driving safely mm. for a whole litany of yeah. uh, of um, mm. reasons yeah. why they aren't, uh, and there's a whole load of examples. Yes, yeah. um, but if safety was our prime concern, yeah,
1: it needs to be the prime concern. Then,
0: but if it really was. Then we'd be we'd have much much uh, you know again I I talked about this before we, we press record, but to get a license in the first place will be so hard.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah. And
0: we would have things like uh, every five years there would be compulsory retraining. Mm. Yeah, uh, which would be updated because technology moves on. You know, car more cars are there, more problems have been understood you know the legislation from the 1930s you know some of that definition's been thrashed <laughs> out a bit more so you know we've got those um there would be health checks on people mm. that would be mandatory and stuff like this yeah
1: but the, the problem that you've got and with, that's yeah.
0: cheaper and quicker yeah as well
1: yeah what i would say the only counter i would have to that which i think is an important point is that we've what we've got to remember with all of this is that drivers are voters. You've got mm. 30 million drivers Absolutely. on the road. So if you make it too hard for someone to drive a car, i.e. have them being tested every five years, they wouldn't They they wouldn't vote for the person that's doing that. They wouldn't... They, they, the, the No party would do that without committing party suicide. They would end up losing their seats pretty quickly because cars are one of the biggest things. So if you make it too safe...
0: Yeah, but look at how we're
1: being penalised financially. Yeah, I, I completely agree, but... but <laughs> politicians are clever politicians know that what you what you should do is if you do something like that to a motoring organization to a motor lobby because believe it or not in the 1930s this comes back to some of my research in the 1930s they tried to introduce strict legislation they tried to introduce something called strict liability whereby they said that basically if you hit someone in your car it doesn't matter who's at fault you pay your, your insurer pays and the motoring lobbies wow. went ballistic it was a 1930 bill which got absolutely annihilated. And the motoring lobby said, Not a chance. And suddenly the government back then changed their mind quicker than you can say anything else. It went from going, great idea to <laughs> no, this is the worst idea ever. So
0: Yes, and the person who thought it up's been taken out and shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I I I totally understand that. And yet you're absolutely right that um the the politician's first job is to get voted back in. Yes. That is their that is their prime reason for being there is to get back in yes. again in four years yes, time exactly five years' time, whatever it yes. is. however, I could counter that with but it could be argued if it was done properly, mm. and if someone was very serious about this and they said this is one of the cornerstones of our party mm. or you know my as the prime minister's um uh cornerstones of my time in office. Is that I want to make the roads safer, and they bang that drum repeatedly and said it is gonna, you know, it is gonna cause us pain, all of us. You know, I'm, you know, as the uh, the point, whoever it is is saying, I will be going through this as well. It's not just you. We're all going through this. Nobody's exempt Mm. from this. We will all do this because we all have to be safer. We all have to reduce deaths, Mm. whatever it is, Mm. accidents, the cost of those as well. Yeah. But the Um but I but I totally yeah I totally get what you said. I don't believe the politicians um definitely not today, and I would struggle to think of any that would be brave enough to make such a move. Yeah. But we can't we but that's where but using safety as the the argument that comes out it does fall down if people don't aren't prepared to mm. If you really mean it, you do you do something that is actually cheaper yeah. to do, and just as
1: difficult in the public's perception. Yeah, but I I mean I agree that safety is 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 is. But so let, let's just. Let's it
0: is a good selling point of it though. It is a good selling point of autonomous yeah. vehicles. I'm not I'm not decrying that. But if if we can prove
1: that it can yeah, happen. if it can happen, and this is what should be sold. If we can get them safe safer, and personally, I think we can. I think that, as I say, I think that. It, it, well, they won't be perfectly safe. They will not be. Yes, this is the safest mode of track. You know, it's it's not going to be brilliant. They're not going not going to be one hundred percent.
0: No, because that's that's the other thing as well that we have to agree on is what is safer. Yeah, exactly. At what at what level is safer? Is you know what are we judging it against? Which, yeah. which we aren't having that conversation, and I think that needs to happen because it's it's completely unrealistic to say. They must never cause an accident. Because that's not. That's not. That's not realistic in any shape or form. Exactly. So, uh, what are we saying is considered the average safety now for us human drivers, mm. and what will we accept as mm. for an autonomous vehicle to then call it safer? You know, one percent over that, mm. or exactly. You know, and that, that and that's a whole different argument and tricky yeah. one. Um, but, which yeah. I, I, you know, I I'm glad I have nothing to do with. It. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but if if they can get them safe, if they can get them safer, shall we say? So let's just let's just yeah. go again, completely hypothetically. If we,
0: have... I, I will I will take my tinfoil hat off and I'll say yes, okay, they have made them safer. Yeah.
1: So let's let's just pretend they've made them thirty percent safer, okay? Thirty percent less accidents on the road. Mm. Financially for people, that is going to be great because every time someone has an accident, if someone gets injured, you have the police going out. If they end up breaking a leg. You know, some car accidents are very serious. They end up breaking a leg. That's going to mean that they have to get an ambulance. Ambulance takes them to hospital. Less deaths, brilliant. Less people injured, brilliant. Financially, also, you're saying, okay, that means that, A, people, there won't need to be an ambulance there. B, that person won't need to stay in hospital. So the yep. hospitals can actually be freed up. We know that there's a problem with the NHS at the moment. There's a big problem with the NHS. It's 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 not got the money that it probably needs. It, it is it is too, um, you know, having used it in the last few years, it's, it 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 isn't great. It's 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 not as good as it could be. Because and actually, you know, you could actually genuinely make a difference to the health system. You can genuinely make a difference to emergency services. You know, some people say it takes over an hour to get an ambulance out these days to if you are seriously hurt in your house or whatever, because a lot of them are ending up going to road accidents because people end up getting in accidents. And so that sort of thing actually can be genuinely beneficial to society. If we can say, look, this is going to be beneficial. Brilliant. You know, and also one thing I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't counteract. I heard the other day someone, and this is just makes me, I mean, there's a whole new research thing I might look into, which is flying cars. Imagine what you could do with a car that flies. Now, OK, before, you know, this could be a This is called
0: now. a helicopter. True. Just have more helicopters. Yeah, more helicopters. That that one.
1: But imagine what you can do with lots of I mean people are talking about them now there was a paper somewhere from someone talking about flying cars I suppose it's just a bigger drone or a helicopter but you know these sort of things you know you've got to look into the maybe 80 90 100 years in the future when you will see these sort of brilliant innovations coming out but as I say I, I am skeptical of it all I, there's no doubt I, I find I'm kind of in the middle I hear a lot of people say how bad driverless cars are and how rubbish they are and all that I also hear people say how brilliant they are And how, yes, they're going to save the world. They're going to save everything. We've got to be in the middle. I think it's kind of a, yes, they're going to be beneficial. They should be beneficial if it's done properly. But also they have limitations. They have certain things whereby they're not going to do everything. They have certain ways of working. They're not going to be perfect. They're not going to be, you know, brilliant. There's a middle ground there. And that's why I'm not great with level three or level four, level five vehicle. I am very confident they'll be safer because at the end of the day, I don't think you can get much more unsafe. The the amount of times I get on the road and I see people doing silly things constantly. And it it is it is it isn't very nice to drive at at times. And also, Mm -hmm. by the way, one other thing, and it's the sharing society, I think is really important because try getting on a car from where I live into Exeter. Or try driving Exeter when the M5 is shut. You could be sat there, and I've heard people saying they've been sat there for six hours trying to go five miles because oh yeah, oh, yeah. our roads I know. I know. are absolutely chock-a-block and they're going to be worse. They are going to get a lot worse. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I, I can see uh, level five mm. type um, corridors. Yeah. And that's the way that I think we will first see them happening yeah. in this country is there will be specific roads just for level five vehicles. Yeah. And that's how we will ensure that they are level five and everything works safe because the environment will be controlled. There won't be pedestrians anywhere near these. Uh, human-driven vehicles won't come anywhere near them. So it's it's easy to control yeah. and manage that environment. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that will make it easier. And and, and the I, I, I'm... I know it will come a shock to many people who listen to me but I think they could be really really useful and good things yeah, for so many right. people because so many people clearly don't like driving or you aren't, look at the they, the to drive. Act, they, they don't they don't care yeah. they they are not capable of uh, appreciating what they do has impacts well, things like this and for these people they are just doing it because they need to Get somewhere yeah. Yeah. so for people's commutes and things like that completely makes yeah. sense th- it's like mm-hmm. the last thing i want to do is i've got to go into this stinking office i don't want to go to just take me there please um, and so and i'll just try and ignore the next 20 minutes half an hour while this happens yeah. and then you can pick me up when i come out again and and then for those sort of peoples it makes perfect yeah. sense and it would be brilliant because it would free up uh the the stress levels for others it would st- you know we wouldn't have to as you said there you know you so many times you're just driving in from where you live to work and the amount of concentration you've got to put in because of silly things yeah. that could have a massive impact if you're not paying
1: attention exactly yeah but if i may also say is it's not just in the, the one benefit i think is truly brilliant of these vehicles and it's the one thing i think we've all got to got to agree on if they work is in terms of the mobility of people who genuinely cannot drive because of medical reasons or disability mm-hmm. that's that's brilliant for them that means that people if
0: can... if we can make these affordable yeah because that's the key in in all this because pete that that argument does get yeah. used but people have to remember have that to you know the chances are or you know unfortunately you know in this country a lot of times people who do need the help with mobility have not got the money or masses of money so they it's not like they can afford one but you could you could see easily see like a fleet of a local council yeah,
1: exactly
0: and saying you know it's and I'm really great. I and mean, I don't know anybody who's in this situation, so I don't know how practical this is, or you know how helpful this really is. But it's Tuesday, so you get a vehicle on a Tuesday and a Thursday yes. to go wherever you want yeah. to go, because the, the the local council's fleet is able, you yeah. know, of forty vehicles is able to take you somewhere, you know, whether you want to go see the doctor or whether it's um, just go out, yeah exactly just go off and exp- and go and see a local site you haven't been able to see for yeah. years or you know whatever it yeah. is but just feel like you've got some control in your own movement yeah. again um, and, and I hope that doesn't sound patronising anyway but you know it, it, that is one side of things I, I am I am hopeful they can get all the, the things that I get worried about sorted yeah. because um, I get so much joy about the fact that I can just jump in my car and go anywhere whenever yeah, I like exactly. I have that potential, and i I, f- I hope everybody else can
1: enjoy that. Yeah, and hopefully they will be able as well because yeah. I, I, w- I want them to do yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. You, that's the benefit. That's one of the benefits for me. That's one of the reasons why I'm really interested in it. Is to see what we can do with these vehicles to really make a difference. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, as I say, I, I'm not either side. I don't. I don't think they're going to be the, the the be all and end all, but I also think they can be used if done properly. Um, I'm scared of about a few things. I'm scared about our data. I think our data is a big problem with them. The, the provision that was, that was supposed that was actually recommended on the bill was, was quite scary for me. I think I shared it with you on Twitter actually about someone.
0: Yeah. Do you want, do you just want to say what that was? Because, uh, for anybody who wasn't yeah. um, following us at the time, because yeah, that, um, Considering what's happened recently in the news yeah. and things like GDPR, that you know, and I'm sorry, everybody, if I've mentioned that, you know, can, you know, drink everyone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's had to go into an office in the last, I don't know, four or five months? Yeah, I'm so sorry I've mentioned GDPR. But, um, yeah, if you could explain to people what yeah. the. the proposed amendment is
1: yeah so basically it is um whereby an insurer can make it a condition of an insurance policy that they uh that you that basically i think it, uh, let, let me just get it a second it's basically where an insurer who um can put as a condition of the insurance policy that they have your data or they have the mm. data not, not your data but they have d- certain data which, must Which be, is yeah. undefined. Now, well, the problem is is that the, the bill doesn't tell you what the, the, the provision, or basically it says it, um, uh, yeah, the right of insurer to data and control. Well, it doesn't tell you what data. That, to me, is like, wow, hang on a second. It doesn't tell you what data it is. I'm hoping this provision gets rejected. It needs to be rejected because that is not a good piece. I know insurers need data and i have no yeah, doubt absolutely. about that. they have to have it that is absolutely fine the insurance industry obviously want data they need the data to determine how to make you know how to price risk etc we are undetermined absolutely
0: fault. absolutely and and when it comes to a, a, an incident mm. they've got to mm. get that but it's what they have point? to get that which is which is you know with um, okay we've mentioned them before but mm. tesla is famous for its not sharing of data and that can't that can't go on. That sort of behavior cannot spread to other manufacturers yeah. and be acceptable mm. in this country mm. when it comes to an incident has happened, mm. the information must be passed on. Mm. I understand there's... Um, I totally get it that there's IPR. I totally get that there's trade secrets and that sort of thing. But I, I am sure we have enough clever people to get together to say, this is the type of data we are going to need. Everyone has to agree that you can share that,
1: and that should not be made of a condition of the insurance policy. That is ridiculous. No, that on, is, no. that is like um, you know, it's basically an insurer being able to exclude it. Now, I, I don't know who's written this, 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 this. I mean, it's it's tabled by by a lord in the House of Lords, um, but it, it's, it's because because the worry is with
0: um, with the technology and the connectedness mm. of vehicles that we're getting yeah. now. And it's, there's more cars coming on stream that are going to have cameras in the in the yeah. cabin and things like that, which will mean they have, and they already have microphones. Yeah. So it's a case of, well, when are those actually on? Mm. Exactly. And what, where is that information going? If it was being kept in the car, that's one thing, but obviously all these things go back to the cloud exactly. or they, they do at some point. Mm. So it's like, hmm, do I want the conversation I've had in the car? Yeah. Exactly. Going to an insurer? No. Because... It's it's one thing if it was in the seconds preceding an accident, mm. but if this goes back to them at any time, because that's because it's so vague in that that wording, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? That they they could get hold of this randomly every few minutes because that's how they want to work yeah. it, just to just to help their algorithms yeah. or whatever. And we all we all love that word at the minute, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Especially after Facebook yeah. Cambridge Analytica. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. But, you know, we we don't... Shouldn't we have some privacy we all deserve that privacy i know you're not arguing this against Mm -hmm. me but you know we we shouldn't have to worry about that because this
1: i'm in my car exactly and that's the thing you you this is this is the thing this is what i find difficult is it's where that balance is um i I don't think as i completely agree with you there is no doubt that insurers need data for for accidents there's no doubt they need it for that and i completely support that i support that they need data they need the data to determine who's at fault to determine um you know help with, with with pricing and but they don't need any more than that or they shouldn't need any more than that so that's why this provision yeah because
0: I don't suddenly want to receive oh and here's offers from our selected partners you you talked about how your jeans are a bit tight, have you joined the local gym, you know and things like that suddenly cropping up in your email box or over the car's infotainment system,
1: or something. So, what they need to be doing is that needs to, that that provision either needs to be rejected, and I'm going to be writing in about this because it is to the House of Lords because it is literally, it is ridiculous. It is a provision that is.
0: Does it not contravene GDPR? I mean, I know I've just mentioned
1: the word again, the the initials again, but I've I, I mean I that's got to be close to it. I mean. The, the thing is, that there's ways around that. There's always ways around legislation because if you you can write legislation um, and then you know kind of uh, make it so that it's, it kind of is conforming with it, because um, that's I, really easily identifiable. Yeah, isn't it? it's it is it is. It is a it is something that I'm keeping an eye on, a very close eye on, and it's something that I will be in hoping that well I will be make I'll be doing my utmost to make sure it, it it's you know and then a proper if they, if they want to insert something in the bill they need to do it so that it's actually properly you know actually um,
0: it's going to be very closely defined
1: closely defined and direct i.e. Mm. insurers must be allowed to have this data this data this data this data but not in this these circumstances. in these circumstances but not this data this yeah. data this data this data because that's that's not acceptable at all not acceptable um and having it as part of an insurance policy again not acceptable and probably also it's it's not how insurance should work insurance is a controlling risk it is about saying you know this is what's a higher risk this is what is a lower risk pricing that risk it is not about taking someone's data that is completely irrelevant to the risk and there is there are provisions in the insurance act on this which actually say that basically we say that insurers are not allowed to um, use certain exclusions. I think it's Section 11 of the Insurance Act. Insurers are not allowed to use exclusions which are not relate- terms not related to the risk or something like that. So it is already, you know, it's it's not what insurance is about, and that's why that that provision needs to be gone pretty quickly. Um, but it's that kind of thing that that will pop up in legislation. Believe me, there's going to be a lot of things that's going to pop up in the legislation that are going to be hopefully rejected pretty quickly. And we've got to be, just be very careful. Uh, it's all a balance. The whole the whole conversation we've had is all about balancing things. It's all about finding yeah. a middle ground. It's about finding ways in which, you know, we are taking our t- I think the big thing is taking, taking our time about it and not rushing into things. Not Say saying well, this is yeah. a good idea and doing this. Actually thinking about it. Not jumping head on into it because we think it's a good idea now, but then turns out to be rubbish later.
0: Well, I'm, I'm hoping... Um, that one of of the very few good things to come out of the accidents that have happened recently and Mm. dreadful though they are is that it applies the brakes a little bit and makes people think a little bit more. I mean, you know, I joked Mm. earlier the governor of Arizona was famous for saying, oh, well, that's what over-legislation looks like and then it seems to have come back to bite him Mm. on that and I'm hoping we don't rush down that As you were saying before, the under legislation side of things, and we we are. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: I don't want to be so cautious that we stifle. Yeah,
1: but you don't want to be we're the not, other way. A little bit more cautious, mind. Yeah might Make me feel a little yeah. bit better. <laughs> but um, just, I, I wanted to give it just one example. I Want to give actually because this is something that might, might be really interesting to those that don't know too much about um, autonomy, etc. I have, for my own research and for work from a PhD, I have actually done some research into historical cars, into actually the way cars were introduced back in the eight. I think it was eighteen ninety six. I think it was around then, and how legislation worked then. Because I've been trying to figure out well, how can we learn the lessons? Because remember, these are vehicles, um, autonomous vehicles. They're new in terms of the technology, but it's not the first time something has been introduced that is new to people mm. so the car introduced in eighteen ninety six was actually you know it's it's it, it was it was replacing the horse um which was some so it's something that was brand news so there were lessons to be learned, and there's an art there's a brilliant article which i think um and i have forgotten the name of the author, but i can I can always put it on my Twitter if anyone wants to read it it's about how the motor car at the beginning and the law had problems because there were stories um the, there was a massive public backlash in nineteen o five because of a young girl who got hit and killed by a car, and later on after that. Cars were massively unpopular for a very long time. They were, they were, they were known as um, killers on the road because of how dangerous they were seen to be and how people were throwing stones at the tyres to try and pop the tyres of motor cars to stop them from being on the roads. Absolutely fascinating. Because
0: that makes them safer. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. But people hated them. People genuinely... Making
0: them crash. That's, that's clever.
1: <laughs> but people genuinely hated them. People were genuinely mm-hmm. afraid of them. Um, because they, they they didn't, you know, there's these massive beasts just suddenly going on the road that are hitting and killing children and killing people.
0: Well, also, thank God we've moved on so far from that. And it's not like we get hysterical over things
1: on, say, I don't know, social media. Exactly. Imagine if social media was around, <laughs> by the way, back then. You wouldn't have cars. Now, what it, <laughs> it very, very almost, in my view, almost stifled the technology, sorry, stifled motor cars completely. I, I think it was just before 1910 when there was genuine angst amongst the pub amongst the public about those cars being on the roads about cars being on the roads full stop they hadn't legislated them properly either they actually they made they actually i think it was 1901 or 1902 in the motor car act they put it at a two mile an hour speed limit on cars so you could only go
0: oh was that when the chap had to walk in front yeah the flag? it had
1: to be two miles an hour um and they stifled it then so they stifled it in 1902 they then kind of relaxed it a little bit insurance didn't come in until 1930 so 34 years after the introduction of the motor car ridiculously long time for legislation to come in on insurance um that piece of legislation was a complete
0: to be fair there was a little thing in the middle that we were worried about
1: yeah oh yeah of, of course there was the war <laughs> completely understood the war was involved in that obviously the war the war obviously made it very 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 um you know difficult but it was it it, it even after... but still
0: that is that is an incredibly long yeah. you know take that out of it because that was you know we're only talking 5 years only he says but that's 5 years out of it but that's still Massively long amount of time. But then
1: when they did introduce the insurance legislation in 1930, it was a failure. They had to rewrite it in 1934. Um, <laughs> so they had the, it was a complete failure. Then it was, was recognised as a failure because then they had to introduce another thing in 1937. A committee had to have a look at the insurance regulation because it was really, really bad again. Um, but it was the same for the Motor Car Act in 1902. The fact is they legislated too quickly, too scared about it. They didn't have the balance in in place. They were too scared of the motor car. They were too scared of it. So they they, they they completely inhibited it, made it go so slow that it wasn't worth driving. They then went forward with it, didn't regulate liability properly, which made people scared of them, despite the fact that they could only go two mile an hour. And they didn't regulate the insurance of it. It was a complete mess. So they didn't have a balance. They stifled it. Then they didn't stifle it. Then they made it very difficult. Then people were getting killed by the people thought they were, you know, and the press got involved. There was huge problems with it. And this is what we have to do with a driverless car is we have to sit back and think, OK, the legislation is, um, you know, we need to legislate. But we need to be very careful. We need to be very, uh, you know, if we have to take a middle ground here, not to stifle it, but not to go too eager to ensure that actually we have a system that works, that actually is going to produce results. And we also have to be not afraid of admitting mistakes. And actually, if the automated and electric vehicles bill doesn't work, repeal it, do something on it. Because what you do not want to do, and this is something that I'm genuinely thinking could happen if everything goes wrong, is if you make public perception of these vehicles so bad and so negative, you know, people are not getting commented, or people, you know, or there's a massive problem with them. You will stop this technology for a generation or two, people will not want them. Mm. So, they have to be careful with them, they have to be very careful with legislation. Because if it all goes wrong, then that's it. Say goodbye to the autonomous vehicle for a long time, and you just they will just dispel public trust completely. That's the worst case scenario, but and that's what they have to learn from Arizona, don't they? Yes, they do. Because if they don't, there's problems.
0: I think that's um, that's a fantastic place to stop, um, and I, I I just want to thank you for uh, spending so long with me this evening discussing this, uh, and helping to educate me, and hopefully uh, for anyone that follows me on Twitter, I'll be less tinfoil hatty a little bit, <laughs> and and I've got a better understanding of the the challenges mm. to bring mm. autonomous vehicles legally mm. uh, to our roads. Mm um and and the work that you put in uh, i just i just think it's, uh, it's it's great that we've got people like you that are looking at this carefully mm. and we're not just sitting there and accepting whatever yeah. we're being given yeah. so that that's fantastic and no thank problem. you for doing that um just before i, I sign off though i'd like to ask uh, do you is there just one question i want to ask you is who do you think i should talk to after you
1: Oh, um, OK. So it depends. Legally wise, um, you could try one of my co-authors, uh, Law of Driverless on um, Twitter, which is a barrister mm-hmm. called Lucy McCormick. She's 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 excellent on things like product liability. And I mean, Lucy could give you a practitioner aspect of driverless cars, um, autonomous vehicles. Um,
0: yes, I do know. Uh, I, I do know of Lucy. I've I've followed her on Twitter. Like I said, thank you so much for chatting to me about this. It's been brilliant to have you on because it's... Like I've said a few times uh, during this uh, episode, I, I do get worried that sometimes I'm looking at it from such a narrow perspective that I don't appreciate the bigger picture and I don't appreciate other, other perspectives on other things that have to happen to help bring this out mm. there. Um, and uh, hopefully this will... Hopefully it'll stop me being quite a Tinfoil Hattie. I can't promise that anyone. Um, but uh, but but I've been educated in it and I, and that that has been uh, worth its weight in gold to uh, to help me understand these things much better. Yeah.
1: And to you as well, to be honest, actually, you've probably educated me just as much because I always find these sort of um, these interactions really interesting. Because and I, this is for anyone really, actually, is genuinely, if you have any concerns about these vehicles, don't be afraid to share them and don't be afraid to talk to people like me because. We're not all going to be sat there criticising whatever, whatever anyone says. We're there to try and understand what the public's real perception of these vehicles is and what actually people think about them. Because that, that's what's going to help us at the end of the day. We're not always going to be the ones driving them. It's going to be everyone out there. And that's the most important thing. So any concerns anyone has, send me a message or contact me on Twitter and we can actually have a proper chat. And we can actually try and figure out you, know, you know, what the challenges are.
0: Excellent. Well, I'll make sure that your Twitter handle is in the show notes so people can uh, start following you and uh, seeing what you're doing. Are there any other links you would like me to put in there? Um, any any other ways to get in touch with you or is Twitter? Twitter's is great,
1: but my email is on Twitter anyway. Um, okay,
0: so, so that's in your bio, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so my
1: bio has got my email. Yeah. So people can email me if they want. It's not a problem. I'm really easy to contact. I get back within about 20 minutes, half an hour most of the time. So just feel free to email me and it'll be cool.
0: Okay, that's excellent. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on here, Matthew. No problem. Thanks once again to Matthew for coming on Rearview and chatting with me. I hope you found our chat as fascinating as I did. If you want to suggest someone I should ask to come on the show, please do get in touch. If you use the hashtag RearviewPod, we'll be guaranteed to see it here in Motoring Podcast Towers. To get in touch with me directly, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter. And if you'd like to keep up to date with motoring news, opinions and car reviews, go try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. If you think what we do here on Rearview and the Motoring Podcast is worth a pound, please do support us in our efforts by going to motoringpodcast.com forward slash support and clicking on the Patreon button. I would also really appreciate it if you could tell others about this show. I think the guests who come on here have great stories and I want as many as possible to hear them. So until next time, that was Matthew Channon, I've been Andrew Clues, and safe motoring.